My name is uh, Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here uh, on staff. Uh, I've been at the church for almost 10 years. And so, uh, so love Pastor Marcus so much. How many are thankful for our pastor? I mean, you know, we have an amazing pastor. Very, very, very thankful for that man. Uh, and so uh, the title of my message, we're not going to take very long at all. Uh, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Jesus as a human. Jesus as a human. Uh, I think if I had a goal today, uh, it would be hopefully to uh, paint a new picture for you. And that maybe you would approach Christmas, the season, the Christmas story, maybe a little bit differently. Uh, you know, the Christmas story isn't just a fun story. It's, for you, it might be this kind of tradition. You always pull out the Gospel of Luke and you read through the Christmas story and it's just kind of part of your Christmas gathering and Christmas tradition. But you need to know something very important about the Christmas story is that the Christmas story is history. Have you thought about it like that? That the Christmas story isn't just some, you know, uh, traditional thing that we read. It really is history. Jesus isn't some fictional character. He actually walked on this planet. He breathed our air. He interacted with people. He performed miracles. He died. See, Christmas is a time to remember that God became flesh. The Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. Right? We celebrate one of my favorite names for God, especially in the Christmas season, is Emmanuel. That he is God with us. He's not some far out distant God. That he's actually a God that's with us. Amen. This is a critical part of the Christmas story. That he became human. And he walked among us. He isn't some character in this Christmas story. Uh, There's a guy by the name of Cornelius Tacitus. And he was a Roman historian. And referred to as one of the greatest Roman historians. Uh, His writings document the time that Jesus would have been alive and walked on this planet. In one of his writings, he uh, just kind of casually mentions this Jesus of Nazareth and these so-called Christians. This is what he says, quote, uh, from one of his historical documents. Hence, to suppress the rumor, the rumor of Jesus being the Christ. There's the rumors going around that this Jesus was the Christ. Uh, He, Jesus, falsely charged with the guilt and punished with the most exquisite tortures, the persons commonly called Christians, who were hated for their enormities. Christ, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate. Now I want you to think about this. This is recorded history written by an unbiased Secular historian. Think about that. Pliny the Younger, Lucian of Samasita, Thallus, Phlegon, Marabar, Serapion, and Marcus Aurelius. All of these people and many more were secular writers. And all of them mention this Jesus of Nazareth in their writings. And they talked about him like he was a real man that came lived on this earth, and of course died a brutal death. One scholar, Bart Ehrman, put it this way, in regards to 
every author and historian that wrote about Jesus centuries ago, he says, quote, the reality is that every single author who mentions Jesus, pagan, Christian, or Jewish, was fully convinced that he at least lived. Even the enemies of the Jesus movement thought so. Among their many slurs against the religion, his non-existence is never one of them. Jesus certainly existed. Think about that. See, the debate is not whether or not he existed. The, the, the historians have set that aside. The, the, the debate is not whether or not he existed. The debate is who was he? Who was he? Uh, one Christian apologist put it this way. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Not, not, set aside whether or not he existed. He did. Now the question is, who is he? Did he just make all this stuff up? Just a liar? Just lied about all these, these things, these miracles that he performed, these things that he said? Did he just make it all up because he's a liar? Is he a lunatic? Is he just crazy? Just lost his marbles? Or is he Lord? How you see him is going to fall in one of those three categories. Uh, This is one of my favorite books. If you're a reader, uh, it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it's this story written from Nabil Qureshi. And uh, he was raised Muslim. And he talks about his conversion to Christianity and how he met Jesus. Such a great, great story. Um, but he talks about his journey and he outlines some of the things in his book uh, of why he made that conversion, why he made that switch or what the questions that he had. He said there are 114 chapters in the Quran. In it, you will find Muhammad mentioned four times. Jesus is mentioned 25 times. Think about that. The Quran talks more about Jesus than it does Muhammad. He says only one woman is directly mentioned in the Quran. Anybody want to guess who that is? Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Quran, again, these are, these, are, these are some of the reasons, the questions, the things that he was noticing, being raised within Islam and, and noticing these things. He says the Quran refers to Jesus as the word of God, the spirit of God, and Jesus Christ. These are all names that are given to him. The Quran says that Jesus spoke when he was very small, like two days old. Uh, It talks about Jesus uh, creating a live bird out of mud. He grabs this mud, he forms it into a bird, he breathes life into it, and it flies away. The Quran talks about Jesus uh, curing a man of leprosy and healing a man that was blind. The Quran teaches, this is crazy, that Jesus is still alive and will come again. See, no legitimate historian debates Jesus' existence. And according to Nabil, the second largest religion right behind Christianity doesn't debate his existence. So, let's take a few minutes and let me introduce to you this Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas. And of course, I think when, when I think of Easter, I think about the divinity of Jesus. Of course, we know that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. 
uh, when I think of Easter, I think of the divinity of Jesus, right? He, he raised from the dead, you know, he moved back the stone. You know, we now have eternal life because of the sins that he paid for. Uh, but then when I think of Christmas, I think of the humanity of Jesus, that he was born in a manger, right? And so I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was human for 33 and a half years. And there's something extremely important about him being a human. Theologians call it identification. Identification. Well, what is identification? That's a great question. I'm going to answer it for you. Uh, This is the best example. uh, Politics. This is actually a political strategy. They call it identification. So if a politician, I'm not ripping on politicians, by the way, it's a great strategy, but they come into town and, uh, and what a politician will do when they come into town is uh, they'll go to, let's say the bankers, they'll have a suit and tie on and they'll say, my father was a banker. So I understand you, right? I can, I can relate to you. What are they doing? He's identifying with the bankers. He's identifying with this group of people. And then the politician will jump in his limousine and he'll, you know, change in the car and he'll put on a factory coat and a hard hat and he'll walk into a factory and then he'll say, my father's brother's uncle was a factory worker. Like, what? The father's brother's uncle? What is that? Yeah, he was a factory worker. Therefore, I understand you. I can identify with you, right? Then he'll leave there and he'll put on some overalls and he'll, you know, meet with the farmers, right? And he'll say, my father's brother's uncle's sister's friend's cousin was a farmer. And you're like, how does that have any relation to you? It doesn't matter. I can identify with you. I can relate to you, right? It's a political strategy. It's called identification. What you need to understand is that Jesus did not settle for the illusion of identification. He literally became human. He was born. He was a toddler. He was in a family. He had a job. He had friends. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. The Bible says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, has become flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. So he was a human, right? He, was a, he, didn't, he didn't identify as a human. He didn't send some random father's, brother's, uncle, sister's, cousin's friend as a human, right? He himself became flesh and blood. Uh, jump to verse 17. The Bible says, for this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them. Well, who's them? Human beings. He had to be made like human beings. He, he had to be born in what we celebrate, you know, Christmas Day. And uh, named, uh, he came through the Virgin Mary, right? 100% man, fully human in every way. Why? In order that they, or in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those of us that are being tempted. Uh, last scripture, fast forward a couple chapters, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. For we do not have, I love this scripture, we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to empathize. Some translations use sympathize. Some translations use uh, understand. We don't have a high priest that's unable to empathize, to sympathize, to understand. Why? Because he was tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then, I love this, approach the throne of grace boldly with confidence so that we may have mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you thankful for that? Have you ever, have you ever gone through something difficult? Like th- Think about something difficult that you've had to, to endure. Maybe it was... Uh, the loss of a loved one. Uh, you know, so you're, you're mourning. You know, maybe it was uh, a divorce. You know, think of something uh, you lost your job. Think of something difficult that you've had to go through. And now I want you to imagine that somebody really close to you came up to you and whatever it is that you've gone through, they're now going through it. Let me ask you, do you think that you'd have sympathy for that person? Right? Aren't you gonna, you're going to have a little bit more empathy for that person because you've been there. You've done that. You can identify with what they're going through, right? Do you agree with that? So it is with our Lord. He was human. He understands. He, he empathizes. He sympathizes with your temptations, your struggles, with your pain. But you maybe feel like what you're going through is unique And Jesus would say, it's not. I completely and totally understand. In fact, I can relate. I can can sympathize. Because I was human once too. And I was tempted in every way. And I'm here to help you in your time of need. So you can approach my throne of grace boldly and with confidence. And I will have mercy on you. Amen? Okay, let me give you three areas in particular that Jesus can offer sympathy. There's, of course, way more than three, but for your sake, I don't want you to be here all day. Uh, I've narrowed it down to three. And so, uh, uh, so three areas in particular that Jesus can empathize with you and I and say, I understand. I understand. So number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus understands relationships. Jesus understands relationships. Uh, This scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 13 verse uh, 50 or verse 3, uh, this is Jesus after preaching in his hometown. So these have been people that that knew him very well, that of course would have grown up with him, that would have, you know, uh, played in the backyard with him. He gets done preaching and somebody, somebody says, isn't this the carpenter? Who is that? What? Isn't this Mary's son? Right? We used to hang out with his brothers. Yeah, J- Joseph, Judas, Simon, James. And, and aren't his sisters here with us? So Jesus, we know, had four brothers, right? J- James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And at least two sisters. We don't know how many sisters, but they use sisters plural. And so we know that he has at least two sisters. Okay? But I want you to think about this. Jesus had brothers and sisters. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus had brothers and sisters. Think about that. How many of y'all have siblings? Okay, yeah. How many of y'all know? Siblings fight, right? 
Am I the only one? Siblings get on each other's nerves, right? Siblings get jealous and envious of one another. How many of y'all know? It'd be be pretty jealous if my big brother was the son of God, right? It'd be like, geez. But he understands all of this, right? He experienced all of this. He understands what it's like to be a big brother, right? He would have obviously been the firstborn because Mary was a virgin. And so, so here he, he's a big brother. We got any big brothers in the house? He was a big brother. Think about this. Jesus knew what it was like to have a stepdad. Right? Joseph was not his biological father. Jesus would have known what it's like to have a stepdad. Jesus understands what it's like being single. He understands what it's like being married, right? Uh, There are multiple references in Scripture about the church being the bride of Christ, right? In Revelation 21, John says, Come, I will show you the Lamb's wife. He understands what it's like to be married. I'll take it a step further. He understands what it's like to have a spouse that isn't always faithful. You know, we're God's children, right? So, So he understands what it's like to have children. Again, I'll take it a step further. He understands what it's like to have children that, that don't always love him and appreciate him. There's nothing that you can't talk to him about. He understands what it's like to have a family. You Maybe you're like, my family thinks I'm crazy. So does his. <laughs> In Mark chapter 3, verse 21... The Bible says when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of Jesus for they said, he's out of his mind, man. He is cray cray. (laughs) What's the point in saying all this? You can have the most fun, most intimate relationship with Jesus because he was a human, because he can sympathize. Amen. He, he understood family relationships, but then he also understood friend relationships, right? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were three really close friends to Jesus. When Lazarus dies, uh, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Why? Because he lost a friend. He lost a friend. H- have you ever felt deserted by your friends? That your friends have just abandoned you, especially in a time of need, when you needed them. You ever felt like they just deserted you? They weren't there for you? He understands. When Jesus was being wrongfully accused of a crime that he didn't commit, one of his best friends, Peter, didn't say a word, didn't stand up for him. In fact, denied even knowing him. Three times. Have you ever felt betrayed by a close friend? He understands. One of his disciples sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Betrayed. He understands what's going on in your life. And you can talk to him about it. He will sympathize with you in your time of need. He is a merciful and sympathetic high priest. He understands relationships. Are you thankful for that? Number two, number two, he understands work. He understands work. He was a carpenter, right? We just, we just read that verse. Isn't this the carpenter? That was his occupation. That was his job. 
Uh, in fact, Jesus was in the marketplace longer than he was in ministry. He would have uh, started carpentry with his dad at 12 years old. He would have done that for about 18 years when he was 30. That's when he would start his ministry. He would do that for three and a half years. And then at 33, we knew that, that he would die. And so he was in the marketplace. He was a carpenter longer than he was in ministry. And think about this. He didn't have a nail gun. As a carpenter, think about that. He didn't have a nail gun. He didn't have a power saw. I mean, think how crazy that is. And that's not to take away from modern day carpenters, of course. But, but when Jesus nailed something in, I mean, he straight nailed it in. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you like to picture your Jesus with big biceps. I do. You know what I'm saying? With a tuxedo t-shirt, sitting on the front row of the Leonard Skinner concert. <laughs> Pastor Kyle, how could you say that? This is the beauty of not being Pastor Marcus. I can say these kinds of things and then, then I walk off. But seriously, have you ever tried, I have done this, have you ever tried cutting a two-by-four with a saw? Like not a power saw, a regular saw. Have you ever done that? Buckle up, because it's going to take you a hot minute to do that. But, but Jesus did this. He was a worker, right? Think about this. He had calluses on his hands. He had blisters. He knew what it was like to own your own business, to, to be an entrepreneur, right? He was a carpenter. He was in, was in business for himself. He knows what it's like to do business with people who lie and cheat. He knows what it's like to make an honest living and pay your taxes. There's nothing about work that you can't talk to him about. Jesus understands relationships. Jesus understands work. And this is the last one. We're done after this. Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands pain. He understands emotional pain and physical pain. The thing that we all have in common in this room is that we've all experienced physical pain and emotional pain. Let me read you a couple of scriptures and I want you to look at the emotional pain in these scriptures. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. He was, Jesus was despised despised have you ever been despised it's emotional pain and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain there's a lot of things that I want to be familiar with in life pain is not one of them familiar with pain this is all emotional pain verse 5 Here's the physical pain. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That was all physical. Right? He understands emotional and physical pain. To be despised and rejected means that some people didn't like him. Some people hated him. He was mocked because he was an illegitimate child. He was mocked and ridiculed on the cross. He was mocked even within a few minutes of him, of his life ending, right? The, 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 the guards were saying, if you, if you are the son of God, then why don't you just come down off that cross, right? 
mocked before even minutes within him dying. Some people couldn't stomach him. Couldn't stand him. Can you imagine people feeling that way towards you? And then physical pain. He, he was beaten by three different groups of guards. He was beaten by the Jewish guards, by Herod's guards, and by Pilate's guards. They beat him with their fists, the Bible says. They plucked the beard from his face. They literally pulled the beard out of his face. They beat him with rods. They put a crown of thorns and drove it over his head. He was whipped an estimated 39 times. They nailed spikes in his hands and his feet, and he hung on the cross until he died. This is a difficult statement to make. Jesus was tortured to death. This man that walked among us, whose name was Jesus, who had brothers and sisters, a mom, a dad, this man that he had a job, this man that walked among us was tortured to death. Why? Was it in vain? Was he a liar? Did he just make all this stuff up? Was he a lunatic? Was he just crazy? Or was he dying for something else? Jesus understands pain. Whatever you're going through, you can talk to him. That's why he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. This is the last example and then we'll be done. The scripture that we read earlier in Mark, remember the question that was posed, is this not the son of Mary? Is this not the son of Mary? Matthew records the same thing. Is this not the son of Mary? My question is, where's Joseph? Why wouldn't, is this not the son of Mary and Joseph? Why is Joseph not mentioned? If you remember when Jesus was on the cross, He looks down at John and he points to his mom and he tells John, hey, take care of my mom. And the Bible says that from that day forward, Mary lived with John and John took care of her. Again, why didn't Jesus say anything about his father, Joseph? Why would Mary go live with John? Because Joseph died. Jesus' earthly father died. Historical documents of the day record that Jesus died, or excuse me, that Joseph died in the third year of Jesus' ministry. You want me to tell you how much Jesus understands? Have you ever lost someone that you loved? He understands. 
Now here's what blows me away. Joseph died during Jesus' ministry, not while he was a carpenter. So why couldn't Jesus have just raised Joseph from the dead? He didn't. And perhaps he didn't raise his father from the dead because he wanted to experience the death of a loved one so that he could be a sympathetic high priest, a priest, a high priest that would be empathetic, that would understand when we come to him. The creator of the universe became a human being. He could be hurt. He could be touched by pain. He could be touched by sorrow. He knows what it's like to be 16 years old. He knows what it's like to lose a friend. He knows what it's like to lose a parent. God could have chosen any man to be the father of his son. And God chose Joseph, a man that would die. With confidence, all of us can say, our God knows how we feel. But Jesus didn't just become human. He became something else. This is the last scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, what did he become? Sin. He became sin. Why? So that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Christmas is our reminder that God became human, but he didn't stop there. He became sin. And the Bible says that in 2 Timothy that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. This was part of his purpose, was was him being born, was to die. Part of his purpose in becoming a human was so that he could be our sympathetic high priest and so that he could die for our sins. I'd like for you to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to get out of here. I came across this true story of a guy whose parents, their house catches on fire. He tries to save his parents and is unsuccessful. His parents end up dying. And in the process of trying to save his parents, the man becomes severely burned. Because he believed that he deserved the burns and the pain, he ended up locking himself in his bedroom. And he refused to come out because he felt so much shame. His wife and his family, of course, are devastated. They knew it wasn't his fault. His wife tried to find help to fix his face. Most surgeons said that they could help him. But the man didn't feel like he deserved it. So the wife finds this surgeon and explains the story to him and shows this surgeon pictures of her husband. And the surgeon says, yeah, I can can fix his face. I can make him look like normal. But the wife says... 
I'm not asking you to fix his face. I'm asking you to disfigure mine. Maybe if I become like him, he won't close me out anymore. Maybe if I take on his shame, he won't close me out. The doctor's so moved by the story that he comes to the house, he knocks on the door of the man's bedroom, and he tells the man, I can fix your face, but I I didn't come here for that. I came because your wife wants to disfigure herself so that you'll open the door. This is what Jesus has done for us. 100% God becomes human. He became sin. He was disfigured on the cross. And he didn't send an angel to come help you. He himself became flesh and blood. But like the man that locked himself in his bedroom, a lot of people close God out because they think that they deserve whatever it is that they're going through right now. And God knew that we would have a tendency to close him out. So he didn't wait for us to go to him. He came to us. And the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. Have you let him in? Have you given him full reigns? Have you made him Lord? What he did on the cross, the pain that he went through, the disfigurement that he went through was all in hopes that you would open the door.